May God speak to you through today's message from Senior Pastor Mike McGowan. Well, good morning. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year's. All of that great stuff. I, I, I'm glad. Glad that you're here. North Campus, I miss you guys this Sunday. Don't worry. I'll be back next week. Well, I pray that your Christmas was as blessed as mine was. Our family had so much fun celebrating the birth of Christ. We are in that prime stage of life with our kids, four kids, boy and three girls. I mean, it is just awesome. It was such an absolute blast. Well, you know, one of my favorite things about just this Christmas season was the series that Pastor Mike did over Waiting for Christmas, the series that we did just leading up to our Christmas Eve service, it meant a lot to me. I got a ton out of it, and I really devoted a lot of my personal Bible reading time to the concept of waiting. And while I was just reading and studying about waiting in Scripture, I continually saw the word hope. I kept seeing in their waiting, they had hope, and they were hopefully waiting. And it was just this theme that just kind of continued on. And I'd like to say that I am a hopeful person. I found myself saying the word a lot. And so I started studying hope of just what it means, what God has to say about it. And I was so encouraged that I really just want to share with you this morning what I learned. Because I am, I'm a hopeful person. I use the word a lot. Let me give you an example. Today is my mother-in-law's birthday. Happy birthday, mom. After church today, the family, we're all loading up in the car and we're going to see her. We're going to go see her, we're going to celebrate her birthday, some Christmas, and we're going to spend a couple of days up there. I really hope my father-in-law smokes a turkey. He smokes the best turkey. It is so good. He smokes it long, and the smoke and the flavor of the wood just gets into the meat, and he's got a perfect combination of like the rub that he uses on the outside, it's that like spicy, but yet not spicy, and it doesn't like overwhelm the meat, and so you still get that great rich turkey flavor in there. I mean, I'm, I'm gonna eat it however it is served. Leftovers are gonna be turkey sandwiches. For breakfast tomorrow, if he smokes a turkey, I'm gonna cut it up in small pieces, and I'm gonna make a breakfast burrito, and I'm gonna put eggs and cheese and turkey in it, I mean, I'm gonna eat this thing up, it's so good. I also just talked about that for way longer than I thought that I was going to, and the message. I really hope he smokes a turkey, I really do. On the same hand, I really hope my daughters marry godly men. Do you see how this hope like, can be a little crazy at times? I hope my father-in-law smokes a turkey. I hope my daughters marry godly men. The more that I really read and studied about this idea of hope, it became so vital to me that our hope needs to be based on the biblical standards of what it is. Because it's a word that we say all the time. It's a word that I hear a lot. I've heard my son William say only a million times this week, I hope I win the finals in my fantasy league. I, I do too, buddy. I came in last place. I hope, I hope you win. I also hear from a lot of people in prayer requests, they're hopeful of their marriage being restored in 2016. They're, they're hopeful that their relationship with their kids will improve. M maybe for you, you're hoping 
that 2016 will be a year of financial health. This was a difficult one. I hope I can finally beat the addiction that's been holding me back. We say this word hopeful and we say it flippantly. We say it very meaningfully. We say it sometimes expectantly and then we say it sometimes thinking that there's no way this is ever gonna happen. And the more that I studied about hope and the more that I found myself saying it and the more that I found myself hearing about hope, the more real it became to me. And so I'd like for us to look at it today. So let's see what God has to say about hope. If you haven't gotten your sermon notes out, out yet, I want you to do so. Here's your first feeling. It's that hope originates with God. Hope originates with God. Look at what it says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 in the beginning of 4. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope. I want you to underline that phrase for me. He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This whole idea of hope is given to us. He has given us new birth into a living hope. The fact that we can even hope at all is a God-given gift. What Peter's talking about here is our salvation. He's talking about our salvation. And see, this is why it is so important. What Peter is getting at here is that without being a Christ follower, you have no hope. Like, there is no hope. There is nothing for you to be even hopeful for. It's impossible for you to have a genuine hope if you are not first a Christ follower. And it is absolutely crucial to understand this. Because the word hope is misused all the time. Because here's the deal. If you're not a Christ follower and you begin to use the word hope, no, can't do it. You might wish. You may wish upon a star. You may hold your lucky rabbit's foot. You might cross your fingers. But no, you do not have hope because it originates with God. When we experience new birth into a living hope, a hope that is alive, a hope that is active, a hope that is meaningful, not a dead, worthless, meaningless hope. It begins the moment that we commit our lives to following Jesus Christ as our Lord and as our Savior. Hope originates with God. The moment we put our trust in Jesus Christ, the moment that we say, I believe, Jesus, that you are who you say you are. You are the risen Son of God. I believe that you died on the cross for all of my sins, all of my mistakes, so that I wouldn't have to pay the penalty of them. I believe in you and I commit my life to following you. I am a Christ follower where you say for me to go, I go. What you tell me to do, I will do. Out of a love and appreciation and an adoration 
of who he is for you. The moment that you become a Christ follower, the moment that happens, you experience new birth on the inside, and it is new birth into a living hope, a hope that you can now conquer this world, a hope that you can thrive, that you can be successful in your relationship with Jesus Christ, a hope that your addictions can be beaten, a hope that your relationships can be healed. It is a living hope, and it originates with God. Look, this idea continues in Romans chapter eight, verses 24 and 25. For in this hope, we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Once again, it all starts with God. This idea of hope is something that we hope for things that we haven't yet seen. It's ridiculous for me to say, I hope one day I drive a Jeep. Well, I do. Like when I walk out in the parking lot, like when I open the, like the car, like I'm gonna get in my Jeep. It's ridiculous for me to say that. It doesn't make any sense. The whole idea of hope is something that we cannot see. That is what we have hope in. So for us to even be talking about hope, for us to even be looking forward and looking ahead of what we want and desire to happen in the future, this whole idea of hope, it originates with God. We have to understand that. But then the more I studied the Bible and this idea of hope, I saw that it kind of builds on itself. Because here's your next fill-in. Hope requires humility. Hope requires humility. For us to have this genuine, godly hope, we have to be humble. It says in Psalm 39, verse 7, But now, Lord, what do I look for? My hope is in you. I want you to circle the word you for me. My hope is in you. To say that you have hope in something and feel that in and of yourself you're able to accomplish it, you don't have hope. That, that's not the idea. That's not what hope is. That's determination. That's motivation. That's not hope. You see, the, even the aspect of hope, when we begin to hope in something, we are acknowledging that we are incapable of accomplishing it in and of ourselves. That there is something about us that we are not enough. Therefore, we hope. Maybe there's a relationship in your life and you have tried your hardest for healing. It's a broken relationship with a loved one, with a friend, parent, sibling, one of your kids. And you have tried and you've tried and you've tried. And there's just not healing. Well, that's when we begin to say, I hope it was healed. I hope that some way, somehow, this relationship can be restored. I am so hopeful that it will happen. It's simply an acknowledgement of, yeah, in and of yourself, you can't. Therefore, we need God to move on our behalf. Hope requires humility. 
the less you think of yourself and your ability to accomplish things, the more real your hope is. Because it originates with God. Because it is his, it cannot be us. It cannot originate with God and then solely deal on our, on our shoulders. We are, the, we are the ones that move the hope. We are the ones that push it forward. No, it originates with God. It requires our humility. If you desire for your marriage to be healed, you must completely humble yourself. You must put your own wants and your own needs to the side. You must submit, you must remain humble in your words and in your actions. Then your hope will become real and genuine and you will begin to see God move because the hope originates with him. I mean, how crazy is this? I'm hopeful that my marriage improves and is healed and is deepened and strengthened this upcoming year. And I am going to make it happen. I know exactly what's right. My spouse, they do not know what they're talking about. I'm the one. I know. And I hope it improves. <laughs> no. 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 Not only are you not hopeful, you're, you're in for a long road. You see, it doesn't work that way. You have got to remain humble. Okay, so it originates with God. We've got to remain humble. And then here, here's another deal. Let me explain it before you begin to just immediately jump ship on this idea. If my hope is genuine, then I must act on it. If my hope is genuine, then I must act on it. Look at what it says in Philippians chapter one, verses 20 and 21. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now as always Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or death, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. All right, so Paul's writing here and he's talking about hope and it's tied to his actions. He talks about his hope and then he talks about living and following Christ and what that looks like and the choices and the decisions and the feelings that he makes. But I thought we just talked about we've got to remain humble. It, it requires humility with this idea of hope. Let me show you how all this works together. So I talked about in the beginning on how I'm extremely hopeful that my daughters marry godly men. I have three daughters, Avery, Lily, and Elizabeth. I hope they marry godly men. I hope that they marry men that are obedient to Jesus Christ. I hope they marry men that are so obedient to Christ and are so godly that they love my daughters the way that Christ loves the church. That they will serve them and I am so hopeful in it. I also recognize that there is a major aspect of humility that comes to it. I cannot physically choose their spouse. I am incapable. I can't do it. However, I can act on that hope. And this is what that looks like. I have to portray to them the kind of man I want them to marry 
based on my life. I have to live out my hope. My hope is that they will marry godly men. Therefore, my life must reflect the type of man I am hopeful that they marry. If my hope is genuine, then I must act on it. If I say something like I'm hopeful that my daughters marry godly men, and then I live nothing like a godly man, then my hope is not genuine and my hope is not real. That's where this idea of hope really begins to take root. This is when we begin to see this idea of a biblical hope that is based on scripture. Because if it originates with God, and it requires my humility, as David says, my hope is found in you. Well, if that is really where my hope is found, then I have to act on it by following Jesus Christ. If my hope is in Christ, that he is my Lord, he is my savior, he is the forgiveness of my sins because of his blood, if that is where my hope is found for my eternal salvation, then I must act on it. And I must follow him. I must spend time in his word. I must continually communicate to him in prayer. I must be an active part of his body, the church. Do you see how this is all beginning to take place? I want you to think for a moment about what you're hopeful in. What are you hopeful in? How are you acting on it? What are you specifically doing in your life that would lead anybody to believe that that hope is real? This is where it can also get really convicting. This is when we begin to realize, well, I really, I thought I was hopeful in it. It is something that I want, it is something that I'm hopeful, but your life displays nothing of it. Are you hopeful? Are you hopeful that your financial position improves this next year? Because look, I, if that is a hope of yours, let me tell you something. Uh, in scripture, it says that if you want your finances to be blessed, and to be holy, to increase, then you give 10% of all of your income to Christ's body, the church. So for you to say, I am hopeful that my finances improve in 2016, I am hopeful, I, Okay, you're hopeful in it. Well, then how are you acting on that hope? Are you giving 10% of your money to the church? The Bible also says that you're supposed to save. Are you saving? Because if you're not, well, then you're not hopeful. They're just words that you're saying. You might as well go out at night and look for a shooting star and make the same claim. See where this idea of hope can drive us and motivate us and convict us and spur us on. Do you see how this idea of hope can really resonate in us and allow us to say, you are God and I am not. 
because it originates with him. It requires our humility. We must act on it. But then here's the final aspect of hope. And this is the one that gives me more encouragement than I could ever imagine. Here's your last fill-in. My relationship with Christ sustains my hope. My relationship with Christ sustains my hope. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13, remember that at that time you were separated from Christ. Okay, so talking about before were Christ followers, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenant of the promise. You remember that? You remember life without Christ? This is what he says about it. Without hope and without God. Underline that part right there. Without hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. My relationship with Christ sustains my hope. Here's the thing about hope. For us, we hope that our hope doesn't have to last a long time. Because the things that we're hopeful for, if it were up to us, it would happen quickly. It wouldn't take so long. It wouldn't take years and years and years and years for the Texans to draft a franchise quarterback, gosh darn it. Okay, that was, yeah. This guy came out. <laughs> Sorry. All right. The reality is that in this room, there's a handful of you. At Parkway Fellowship, there are a handful of you that have been hoping for something for years and years, decades and decades, and it hasn't happened yet. Robert and I have a friend. His name's Robert. Uh, Robert, Robert's wife is not a Christ follower. He's been hoping that she would turn her life over to Christ for over 20 years now. It's amazing to watch him love and pray and serve. It is such a gift to be friends with Robert and watch him love and minister. And there are times that I would think there is no way that I could hope that long in a genuine hope. But what Robert realizes is that the hope is not found in him. That if it was found in him, his hope would have fallen by the wayside years ago. That Robert's hope is found in his relationship with Christ. And his relationship with Christ sustains that hope. Maybe you're hoping for a son or daughter to come back. Whatever that may look like. I don't know. But as I was writing the sermon and praying about this aspect, that kept coming to my mind. Like if you feel like your hope is waning, if you feel like your hope is weakening, it's not as strong as it once was, what I ask you is to check your relationship with Jesus Christ. Because what Paul says is that, look, without Christ, no hope. No hope in a world without hope, in a world without God. But because of Christ, we are brought near. 
And it is our relationship with him that sustains our hope. You know one of the reasons I love hope so much is that when we say what we're hopeful for, we create this mental image of what it's gonna look like when that comes true. We're gonna cre- we create this mental image of what our marriages are gonna look like, what our finances look like. We have this mental image of what our family is going to look like. Whatever it is that you're hoping for. When I think of my daughters marrying godly men, one of the things I think about, I think about myself, my son William, and then my three son-in-laws all going on like a fishing trip together. That's one of the things that I'm hopeful for. And when I say that I'm hopeful that my daughters marry godly men, it's like, I want that. And I create, that, that image is created in my mind. And it brings me back to this idea of a new birth and a living hope. It is alive. It is active. It is encouraging. It brings a smile to my face. And whenever you begin to think about what you're hopeful for, I know the same happens for you. So when you find yourself saying hope and when you find yourself being hopeful, I need you to remember that it originates with God. I need you to understand that it requires humility. I need you to understand that if it is genuine, you have got to act on it as much as you can. And I need you to understand that it is your relationship with Jesus Christ that sustains that hope. I love being a hopeful person. I know that you do as well. I hope, I hope that your hope will draw you closer to Christ. Let me pray for us. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I ask, God, that you would make yourself very real to us in this moment, right now. Would your spirit fall down upon us in this room? God, I pray that we would all understand and experience God, the new birth into a living hope. God, as we think of these passages of Scripture, God, that they would become alive in us. God, they would be very real in who we are. Lord, we recognize that it is all you. And the things that we are hopeful, we are not able, God, to complete and to accomplish in and of ourselves. Therefore, our hope is found in you. Lord, would you exalt yourself God, when these things come true, would we give you the praise and the glory? Lord, I pray right now, God, that everybody in here, God, would grasp onto something that they are hopeful for in you doing, especially at this time of the year, God, and that they would be moved, that they would draw them close to you in a relationship with you. God, would it bring them to their knees of recognizing that you are God and they are not. So, Lord, we thank you. We love you. We ask all this in your name. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com or facebook.com slash parkwayfellowship. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more. It is available both in the Apple App Store and Android's Google Play.